0: Thanks for tuning in. I'm Sarah Lee, and this is the Influence Watch Podcast. In this episode, as all eyes are turned toward Georgia's two Senate runoff races, I'll be interviewing CRC's Research Director Mike Watson on proposed legislation that both the Democratic challengers in Georgia support, and one that has serious implications for right to work laws nationally if the Senate flips from red to blue. The legislation is called the PRO Act, and it's it's an expanded federal version of the controversial AB5 legislation in California that has upended independent contracting in that state. But I'm going to let Mike explain more because he's our resident expert on such things. Hey, Mike, how you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing well, sir. Hi. Mm -hmm.
0: Good. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this. So the two Democratic challengers in the Senate runoff races in Georgia both support this legislation that's called the PRO Act. Can you tell us what the PRO Act is? Actually explain the act acronym as well yeah so the, the, the
1: protecting the right to organize act okay. is the of, t- official name of the legislation it was backed by democratic leadership in the house and senate in the congress that just con- that is now concluding uh, it passed the house of representatives on a narrow vote um, although most of the democrats who voted no have now lost to republicans so the the Republican gains don't necessarily mean gains against the legislation, uh, and it has been endorsed by uh, presumptive President elect Joe Biden and presumptive Vi- Vice President elect Kamala Harris. Uh, this is basically the union's grab bag wish list bill of everything they've ever wanted to coerce more Americans into becoming dues payers to organized labor uh, that they've wanted since 1947. Uh, Notable provisions include, you mentioned right to work laws, uh, the PRO Act would get rid of them. Uh, Everyone currently, uh, if you are in a unionized workplace, there is one union that conducts all the negotiations for one contract and everybody has to accept it whether they want to or not. Uh, And in, I believe it is 27 states, uh, one of the consequences for unions of accepting that privilege and that power that they want is that they cannot force people who do not wish to be union members to pay them for that representation that they do not want. Um, you can call them forced writers. Um, the PRO Act would uh, force all the writers to pay, whether they want to pay or not. Hmm. The PRO Act would reclassify the vast majority of independent contractors as uh, as legal employees. Uh, The principal consequence of this for organized labor is that they would then be able to be unionized uh, And to be unionized under monopoly representation and exclusive bargaining Which would also mean forced dues under the pro act
0: Okay, so i'm glad you brought that up because that's the next question I had for you That's pretty much what ab5
1: was in california ab5 ab5 was a piece of california legislation that has now been cut to pieces twice uh first uh what well, I'll start at the beginning. What the legislators wanted to do was to make basically all independent contractors in California into legal employees uh, subject to unionization, subject to the entire California labor code. This immediately became a problem for cultural freelance workers. Uh,
0: like Uber, Lyft.:
1: Well Uber, Uber and Lyft were the targets. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of peop- a lot of jobs that ended up being collateral damage, like in the, people that write for a living, people who write for a living, freelance photographers, freelance, freelance videographers, uh, great example, Vox Media uh, own uh, uh, Marcus Melitis of the Daily Costs was co-founder of that, you know, big liberal media conglomerate. Cut all its California freelancers mm-hmm. because under AB five they were going to have to classify them as employees. They were going to have to pay all the benefits, all the uh, all all the side costs, and they couldn't they couldn't afford it. So they just let them go mm-hmm. <laughs> right before Christmas, I believe, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even the the thick skulled legislator legislators out there realized, oh wait, that's not what we wanted to do. So a bunch of Um, a bunch of cultural industries got carve outs in legislation. Um, you know, the, the way the law was written, like wedding singers would have been employees, even though clearly what they're doing is independent self-directed work, which has always in the United States followed the contractor model, which basically, uh, in the contractor model, you're basically an independent business selling your work as a business product, Mm -hmm. Um so you know if you're a, if you're a wedding singer obviously you have direct your own uh your own work you uh you're you're selling uh your your labor your performance as a cultural product for couples to buy and that's very different than an employee who is strictly directed by a by the boss, you know, by a management, uh, system, you know, uh, here, you know, I have to come into work, you know, I'm an employee. I come into work at a set hour. I work a set number of hours on a, even though I have some direction of my tasks, you know, there's a set, um, you have to answer to someone. I have to, I have to answer to somebody, I have to answer to somebody directly who can give me orders. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and, and, uh, So under
0: AB five, they uh, were trying to basically they were trying to make these independent contractors legally uh, employees, even though they weren't actually even even though even
1: though they weren't doing that kind of work. And the principal, you know, the the who benefits from that, of course, is organized labor because once you have, um, well, you know, in two ways. One, you can unionize; you can force employees into unions. You cannot force contractors to unionize. Um, and it also takes away any possible competition with unionized labor.
0: Right. And For, so then what is the, what is Pro- Proposition 22? Yeah.
1: So the, so the other, the second revision of AB5 was Proposition 22, which passed with a fairly comfortable majority. I think it was 58, 42 last I checked, um, in California. And that was Uber and Lyft and the, um, and the delivery comp- the app delivery companies. Ah, uh, that was their response to protect themselves against AB five. So it was like a carve out for them. It was a car. It was a carve out for them, but because they were the principal targets, you know, it was a it was a carve out of like the core the core uh, of the of the legislation.
0: Okay, got it. Yeah.
1: Um. So and that
0: recently passed.
1: That pa- that passed in the general election. Right. Um. The and and what prop twenty two did or does is it allows the app companies to classify their drivers as contractors as they had been doing uh and it also creates a regulatory framework for the um uh, the rideshare companies and for app based delivery okay. so uh things like driver background checks uh driver instruction uh,
0: without requiring them to become. without
1: requiring them to to become classified as employees, and they also get uh, like a health insurance contribution okay okay uh, so let's
0: know. extrapolate this out then this these kinds of things that they were proposing in California under a b five um, and how Uber and Lyft responded with the passage of Prop 22, or the voters responded, yeah, yeah, um, to what the pro act would do nationally. I mean, you mentioned yeah, a little bit, yeah, of the na-
1: nationally. So, with, with regards to Prop 22, uh, the way that the pro act was written, it would it basically cloned AB5 as it was originally written and applied it to everybody. Okay, uh, so it would override Prop 22 and any changes that had been made. To Again, assuming the legislation doesn't change in the next Congress. Okay. But that's only the start of what the PRO Act does. Um, obviously, we mentioned earlier right-to-work laws. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're in a right-to-work state uh, like Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, like Virginia, you know, some of these states uh, you know, have more for social progressivism gone over to the Democrats, like Virginia, uh, Nevada. Um, they still remain right-to-work. And in a right-to-work state, a union can organize a workplace. A union can gain that exclusive representation, the ability to negotiate a contract that covers everybody, uh, including people who don't want to be represented by the union, but it can't force the people who don't want to be represented by the union to pay. Got it. In a forced unionism state like California or New York, the union can force those people to pay. And if you don't pay, you can be terminated from your employment.
0: And make it very difficult for you to find other employment as well.
1: Uh, Theoretically. I I mean, it it certainly would depend on the union, you know. Depend on the union density, but it would. Well, like Actors Equity, for example. Oh, I oh, think. sure. Oh, if you're if you're in certain if you're in certain industries, if you're if it, you're
0: not in a union, you don't yeah,
1: work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If in in certain industries, especially again the creative industries, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're not in the union, uh, you can't work. But, so, what
0: else are some of the more egregious things that we would see nationally if PRO Act passed? And and I do want to get the last you know topic or the last part of this. I want to talk about what happens if. Um, the Senate races go the way of the Democrats, and uh, they win the Senate. Um, probably what does, the, you know, and they pass. Yeah,
1: this. Probably, probably the most disruptive uh, effect of the PRO Act, even more disruptive than getting rid of than getting rid of right to work laws, is the re- is the reauthorization of secondary boycotts. And this is a complicated labor nerd thing, but the the best analog is what Media Matters does. When Media Matters goes after Fox, or goes after Tucker Carlson, or goes after you know Rush Limbaugh, or some other conservative uh, um, conservative media personality or outlet,
0: which, by the way, listener, that is what Media Matters does.
1: Yeah, that that is That's Media Matters. Point. That is why David Brock created it. That is what it exists right. to do. Okay. Um, so, what Media Matters does, they don't go. Up, they don't call up you know R- Rupert Murdoch at Fox and tell him to fire. Tucker Carlson, because Rupert Murdoch isn't going to do that because Tucker Carlson makes Rupert Murdoch money. Mm-hmm. What they do is they is they go and, and attack Tucker the advertisers who are appearing on Carlson's show. The advertisers do not make money from Tucker Carlson. No, theoretically, by a convoluted way they might, but you know, they're they're not Tucker Carlson isn't writing their paycheck. Mm-hmm. They don't really care where they are advertised. Mm-hmm. And if you've got these, you know, angry people writing letters and marching around outside your office saying, you know, Tucker Carlson is evil, Tucker Carlson is evil, don't advertise on a show, you may just decide, you know what, I don't want to deal with this, I'm going to pull my advertising from, from Tucker Carlson, or I'm going to pull my advertising Not for from any Fox. ideological reason. Not for any reason. ideological reason, but just because you're a business, you have more important things to be doing than fighting someone else's culture war. Mm-hmm. And you listen to left-wing organizers, and they'll tell you, why do they love secondary boycotts so much? Secondary targets are soft targets. Mm-hmm. They don't care. They're not invested. They're not making their money, or they didn't get into, the, into public life to do this. So how does that work in a labor context? Well, if you're, G- you know, you're GM, you're unionized, you have the UAW, right now... The UAW can strike against GM subject to their collective bargaining agreement. Um, But notwithstanding any provision of the collective bargaining agreement, UAW can strike against GM for something GM does or to change GM's business practices. Okay. So UAW wants, let's say it's instead of $30 an hour, they want $35. Uh, If there's no provision in the contract that says no strike, no lockout... Which is why usually it happens during contract renegotiation when there's no contract in force. Uh you know, notwithstanding any provision of the collective bargaining agreement, the UAW can call a strike vote, strike against GM, and try to get that $5 more. Okay. What they can't do is strike against GM's customers. I see. Until GM gives them $5 more. They can't strike against Casinos buW has casino represents employees of casinos uW can't strike casinos to get them to stop buying GM cars so that GM pays u w more, okay, so, more money so
0: so basically what you're saying is that the customers of these companies that are unionized are protected in some ways
1: correctly. yes yes they are they are protected from being attacked by the unions because of labor disputes they don't have control over.
0: And you're saying the PRO Act would change that?
1: The PRO Act would explicitly legalize that. I it would see. explicitly legalize going at the customers, going at, uh, uh, going at other businesses um, in order to compel third parties to change their, their practices.
0: Well, that's a bigger deal than I even knew
1: it's it's the quietly most extreme part of the legislation and again this is extreme legislation mm-hmm. let's not let's not beat around the bush repeal all the right to work laws um you know reinstate the secondary boycott ab5 nationwide this is really radical so and the secondary boycott provision is probably the most radical part of it
0: it definitely is based on what I- like I said, I didn't even know that, and I'm kind of sitting here shocked. Well, and
1: and, and again, par, and part of that is because secondary boycotts have been illegal for seventy years,
0: and in, we're seeing that in, sort of flavor in the country right now. Anyway, with, oh, it's, you know, it's, going after it's canceled, it's cancel
1: it's it would it would yeah. give cancel it would give the the full nuclear weapons of cancel culture to organized labor. Crazy now, and, one... we, and we have and we have explicitly refused to give them that for seventy years because the last time they had it seventy years ago in 1945 46, the result was the Largest, most disruptive strike wave in American history. Oh gosh! That's so we what we're talking about here. From
0: our lesson, we tried to learn our lesson from that, but apparently, some of us have not. So but we,
1: but, but, but three generations on, we have forgotten.
0: Right. So very briefly, um, and then we'll wrap it up. Can you give us just a short, um, a short sort of uh, soliloquy on why unions are disruptive economically?
1: Oh yeah. The, in, I mean, we've mentioned disruption. We've mentioned. Uh, you know, many of the sort of famous cases, uh, Britain's Winter of Discontent is probably the best one before Thatcher took office. Mm-hmm. The unions all across Britain shut down the British economy, uh, shut down British civil life. And again, the consequence was the election, the previously unthinkable election of Thatcher. In 45 46 in America, Uh, It got so bad. The disruption from organized labor got so bad that Harry Truman, nobody's idea of a conservative, good New Deal liberal, right-hand man of of FDR the last year of his life, he threatened to draft the railroad union workers if the railroad union workers went on strike. Wow. When the railroad union— You guys are going to war, man. When the railroad union caved— the day before he was gonna give a speech to Congress saying he was gonna do this, he gave the speech anyway, mm-hmm. saying that if you do this again, you know, I am happy to bring you labor peace, but if you do this again, you are all subject to the draft.
0: So they were so disruptive that even people that ostensibly would be even on their even side people were like, who were
1: on their side thought far. they had gone way too far. Interesting. And that's before you get into into other issues like free association. Right. Free, you know, free speech. Should people be forced to subsidize politics they disagree with? Right. Uh, the questions of labor costs. There's a reason that all the automakers that have built factories, um, all the foreign automakers that have built factories in the United States in recent years, have done so in the South, in right-to-work states where organized labor is not as militant.
0: That's what's happening with Hollywood as well, going to places like Georgia because it's cheaper to work down there. Right. right. Um, I, there are also and i correct me if i'm wrong there are also privacy issues for employees as
1: yeah well, right? uh, the way one of the provi- one of the lesser provisions of the pro act would codify a rule that the obama administration made which requires your not just your contact at work but your home contact information to be given to union organizers mm-hmm.
0: So that's what's at stake in Georgia guys, um, and that's partly what's at stake in Georgia in the Senate runoff races. There's a lot more, uh, of course, but that's at least one piece of legislation i mean it, it, it
1: is it is a a unified democratic government could reasonably be expected to push this legislation this, right, very, this radical legislation yeah
0: and as you said at the top of the show, this is like their wish list yeah for,
1: this yeah. is this is their 70 year wish list.
0: So, um, so if you're listening, we just wanted to kind of fill you in on part of what's at stake in the Senate runoff races in Georgia, since that's what everyone's talking about right now. And that is our show. So if you haven't uh, subscribed to the podcast, please do so wherever you find your podcasts and we will talk with you again next week.